You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Whatever happened to David while he was there in Gath caused him, finally he's coming now back to his senses, caused him to acknowledge the inadequacies of his own wisdom, his actions, uh, his own wisdom, and brought him once again to a place in his experience where he again placed his confidence in the Lord, which, by the way, enabled God to do some new things in David's life. When you get to the end of yourself, it's good to realize that you don't have it all figured out. Sometimes you forget the way you handled things in the past with more faith or more trust than you do now. So go back to the basics and get to a place with God where you can start growing again. Pastor Mike relates this idea today to what happened in David's life. He sort of lost his way at times, but he always came back to a keen realization of who God was in his life and would turn and praise him. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of Philippians chapter 3 as he continues his message, The Actions of a Desperate Man. In Philippians chapter 3, in verses 12 through 14. And there, Paul, and this was just, you know, Paul's attitude about his relationship with God. He was never resting on his laurels. You know, he he wanted every uh, day to be a new day walking with God, to be used of God. He wanted it to be fresh. He didn't want it to be stagnant. He wanted to ever be growing in his walk and his relationship uh, with the Lord. And so let's pick up in Philippians chapter 3, in verse 12. Paul says, not that I have already attained, and by the way, I guess I should mention the fact that when Paul wrote this epistle to the church at Philippi, he had already been a Christian for 30 years. And I want you to take special note of that. And and think about who Paul was, how profoundly uh, used of God. And, uh, you know, in comparison, he leaves all of us in the dust, right? And nevertheless, he says, not that I have already attained, you know, that he's got it all wired, that he's got it all figured out. In other words, he knows that there was always room for improvement in his relationship with God. And so he says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. You know, how many of us, you know, have bought into that idea that, you know, we've got it all figured out, we've got it all wired, that there's no room for improvement in our walk and our relationship with the Lord. You know, how foolish that is. He says, but I press on 
that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, again, 30 years after his conversion experience, he's writing this, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, you know, all of the victories, all of the miracles, how that God profoundly used them, the establishing of so many churches, preaching the gospel, the successful missionary tours. You know, he says, forgetting those things which are behind. He's not resting on his laurels. And he says, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ uh, Jesus. And so, uh, so I think that that's what we should take away from all of this. And it's all about fellowship, having that communion with God, right? And, uh, you know, with that attitude of gratefulness, it serves as a reminder of the tremendous price that Jesus paid that we might have fellowship and communion with him, with a holy and a righteous God. But as we go before the Lord, he wants us to have that same kind of an attitude. He wants things to be fresh, with that same desire to want to know him better, to dig in a little bit deeper. Now let's go back to our text. Remember I had mentioned that Himelech asked David this question uh, concerning the young men and whether or not they had kept themselves from women before he gave them the bread to uh, eat. Remember now, the show bread was not to be treated casually. It must be regarded as holy. In fact, if you want some background information about the showbread, you can read about it in the book of Leviticus in chapter 24 and verse 9. And there we are told that the priests in the holy place were to eat of that bread that was laid there on the uh, table of showbread. But nevertheless, uh, there wasn't a prohibition for anyone else to eat it. There's no prohibition mentioned in the book of Leviticus. Uh, but basically, it was to be uh, eaten by the priests and the priests uh, there within the holy place. So why did he ask this question? Well, Ahimelech asked David for a basic level of ceremonial cleanness before he gave them the showbread. So that's the reason why he asked that, uh, that question. So anyway, the showbread. So that's what that was all about. But then notice also, David asked Ahimelech, was there any weapons that he could give him? And remember how he responded. He says, the only weapons that we have here in the tabernacle was the sword of Goliath. Well, listen, David was happy to have a good weapon. And notice his remark. He says of that sword, there was none like it. But you know what? As David held this sword... He should have remembered how he came to win it in the first place. He certainly didn't do it with lies and half-truths. He did it with a bold trust in God, a trust that believed God and trusted him to sort out the circumstances. And listen, you know what? David can have the sword of Goliath in his arsenal, but he would be better equipped if he had the faith that killed Goliath. You know, this reminds me of that verse of scripture that's recorded for us in 2 Corinthians, Paul the Apostle, tells us in chapter 10 and verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So what are the weapons that God has made available 
uh, to us. Those wonderful resources, prayer, faith, hope in Jesus. Those are the weapons. They're not carnal, but rather they are mighty from God to the pulling down of strongholds, whatever you will face in your life's experience. Now, while in Nob, notice also, let's go back to our text, David came upon a man who was also there at the same time, whose name was Doeg. He was an Edomite, the chief of Saul's shepherds, as I had already mentioned. Now concerning this man, we are told, notice in verse 7, that he was detained before Yahweh. What does that mean, he was detained before Yahweh? Well, some writers believe that this means that Doeg was returning to Gibeah, but with the Sabbath approaching, he could not complete his journey. Now remember, uh, during it was just a part of uh, the Sabbath requirements that you were unable to travel during a certain period of time leading up to the Sabbath uh, day. And so it has been suggested that the Sabbath was approaching, and thus he could not complete his journey, and so he lighted there at Nob, waiting for the Sabbath to uh, pass, and then he would continue on in his journey back to the city of Gibeah. Well, that's one plausible explanation. Other writers believe he was there because of some ceremonial defilement. So in other words, he was going through a process of cleansing, which would have also have taken place there at the tabernacle under the direction of the priests. Well, anyway, David knew that Doeg's presence would lead to trouble. And so as soon as possible, David got himself out of there as quickly as he could. But where was he to go from there? I mean, he was homeless. He was helpless. He was a wanderer who had to beg for food. And all who showed him kindness put themselves in danger. So, the question, where could David go? Well, let's find out. Let's pick up now verses 10 through 15. The remainder of our chapter, pick up in verse 10. Then David arose from Nob and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish, you know, talk about some bizarre behavior. You know, we're talking about Philistia. We're talking about David going to the Philistines. Uh, to look for sanctuary. How crazy is that? David was the one who defeated the Philistines in battle. You know, talk about bizarre behavior. I mean, would any of us chosen to seek out sanctuary in the Philistines' cities? I don't think so. Well, it just goes to show you, you know. Again, when you think about the title, and that is the behavior, the actions of a desperate man, well, anyway, let's go back to verse 10. Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances singing? Remember when uh, David had come back uh, from battle, successful in his campaigns against the Philistines, the women came out on the streets and they sang these songs, and one of the choruses went like this. Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Verse 12. Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achash, the king of Gath. And so he changed his behavior 
before them, what did he do? How did he change his behavior? Well, he pretended that he was a madman in their hands. He scratched on the doors of the gate and let his saliva fall down on his beard. These are the actions of a crazy person. Then Akesh said to his servants, obviously he believed him, look, you see, the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of a madman that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? So, very interesting. Okay, so, with the need for food met, Ahimelech gives him the uh, loaves of bread. David's next desire was for security. And yet we are surprised, even as I suggested, that he chose to flee to Philistia, and in particular to the city of Gath. Now, Gath was located... 23 miles southwest of Nob, where the tabernacle was. David had just left there, so he's traveled some 23 miles now. Uh, The city in which Goliath, this is the city of Gath, this was the city in which Goliath had once lived. Remember, when we're first introduced to Goliath, he is introduced to us, Goliath of Gath, of the city of Gath. So talk about David being irrational, But remember, once again, this is the actions of a desperate uh, man. So why did he choose this location? Well, perhaps as he made his way there from Nob, he was relying on a precedent quite widely honored in the ancient Near East, whereby warriors who were dishonored in their homeland were welcomed by those who had been formerly their enemies. But there was one stipulation. Such sanctuary that would have been provided to him, however, was often provided only if the fugitive entered the service of his protector and was ready to fight against his own people. And as we will see in one of our future studies as we move into chapter 28, here in 1 Samuel in verse 1, we see that that very thing almost uh, happening. But we'll get to that in one of our future studies. Now, Upon David's arrival in the city of Gath, the servants of Achash recognized David immediately. Notice there in verse 11, go back to our text, and even attributed to him the title King of the Land of Israel. Do you see that there? So their reaction showed the prominence given David by his enemies. They also reminded King Achash of the song the Israeli women sang as they danced in the streets after each successful battle against the Philistines. Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Well, according to the 34th and 56th Psalm, which was written out of this experience of David here at this location, there in Gath, standing before Achash, the king of Gath, uh, we uh, come to the conclusion, and we're going to go through one of these psalms as we close out this message in just a little bit. But as you know, and as I often remind you, that many of the psalms that are recorded in the book of Psalms, the writers, they were written out of their own personal experiences. So once again, let me say, the 34th and the 56th psalm 
that are a part of the book of Psalms were written out of this particular incident, this experience of David's there in the city of Gath, standing before King Achash. Well, according to those Psalms, David was not given a warm welcome. In fact, uh, it's even insinuated that David may have been imprisoned for a period of time. And then eventually, David is brought before the king, which is insinuated there in verse 12. Go back to our text. It's insinuated there in verse 12. Now he's standing before the king. And notice, to obtain his freedom, he pretended to be insane. Now why was that? Well, with hopes of, and since in those days, people believed that either epileptic and deranged individuals were under the protection of the gods. So in pretending that he was insane, he was hoping to gain his release, you see. And so if they felt as if they was under the protection of the gods, they wouldn't have anything to do with them. Now notice there in verse 13, so David plays out this hoax, and we are told there in verse 13 that he changed his behavior. Now how did he do that? Well notice, he's scribbling on the doors of the gate as if writing some momentous message, and then he even allowed his saliva to run onto his beard. Well, the king's advisors in Gath, who had either seen or heard of David's military prowess, may have been inclined to initially disbelieve that he had been driven from Saul's presence because of insanity. But when David let his spittle run down his beard, they were convinced. Now, why would they be convinced? Well, considering and this was a cultural thing, the regard in which the beard is held in that culture, the care taken of it, the care of the owner to protect it from insult and pollution, who could possibly doubt the abject and absolute madness of the man who would defile his own beard? Remember when those soldiers unmercifully had taken Jesus and they beat him, they scourged him, and the Bible tells us in that narrative that they plucked out his beard. Now, why did they do that? They were seeking to humiliate him. It was a cultural kind of a thing. They did everything possible to humiliate the Lord. And so that was one of the reasons why they just bought into this hoax, this play that David was presenting to them, that he had become insane. Now, getting back to those Psalms. The 34th Psalm records David's release from Gath. And it enlarges upon verse 1 in the next chapter, in chapter 22. And there we are told, so David departed from there, Gath, he was released, and he escaped to the cave of Agilom. Now, this is another of the biblical writer's summaries, summary statements. Whatever happened to David while he was there in Gath, caused him, finally he's coming now back to his senses, caused him to acknowledge the inadequacies of his own wisdom, his actions, uh, his own wisdom, and brought him once again to a place in his experience where he again placed his confidence in the Lord. Which, by the way, enabled God to do some new things in David's life. 
you know, how are we responding? How are we reacting to those traumas, to those desperate periods of time that we may be going through right now? You know, don't do as David did here in chapter 21. You know, just stay close to the Lord. Seek Him in prayer. Seek Him through the Word of God for counsel and direction and leading. You know, God wants to lead us and guide us through His Word. Give Him that opportunity. God wants to do some new things within our lives. And as we will discover next time, as we move into chapter 22, one of the new things that God was going to do on David's uh, part was, and we'll discover this next time, 400 men joined themselves to David, all of which were outcasts, downtrodden, and David became their captain. Uh, sort of like they had become a bunch of mercenaries and guns for hire. And so we'll get into that uh, chapter next time together. But now I want to close out this message. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to turn with me to the 34th Psalm, if you would. I just want to read the first four verses of Scripture. So Psalm 34, verses 1 through 4. Now remember, now this is written out of David's own experience. You know, all of the turmoil, all of the confusion, the fear, and, you know, the restlessness, and, and uh, you know, all of what was a part of chapter 21. Finally, he comes to his senses. God, you know, works on his behalf, gets him out of that situation, and now he moves on, and God is going to begin to do a new thing in David's life. And so in chapter 34, or the 34th Psalm, in verses 1 through 4, we read, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all of my fears. You see, David was amazed with gratitude unto the Lord. He is especially joyful because the Lord got him out of a mess that David himself had made. God's amazing goodness is shown when he delivers us when we don't really deserve it. You know, how many of you can relate to this, right? When we think we should really be suffering the consequences of making the wrong choices and decisions that we made. But nevertheless, we find God takes those things and turns them around and somehow uses them for our good. It seems like God is in the business of getting us out of our messes or teaching us in them. Well, in either case, we have this hope. So maybe you're in a mess of your own making right now. So what do I want to encourage you to do? Well, make your appeal to God for help. Don't delay. Don't put yourself in that position or stay in that position where you'll find yourself doing crazy, uncharacteristic kinds of things. In my father's house There's a place for me In my father's house Where I long to be That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. If you've missed any part of this message, you'll find it online at harvestnyc.org. You can also subscribe to the In My Father's House with Mike Venezio podcast. Just search for it on your favorite podcast platform. 
As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know how you can connect with us. We want to hear from you. If you've been listening for months or even the first time today, let us know. Have you been blessed by a teaching here on In My Father's House? Have you been able to share what you've learned with someone else? We want to hear your story. It's such an encouragement and brings us great joy to know how this program is blessing our listeners. So please, let us know you've been tuning in. You can send us a message right from our website. Just go to harvestnyc.org and click on Contact. You'll find a form to fill out and we'll connect with you as soon as possible. You can also let us know you've been listening by sending an email to harvestnyc at verizon.net. Please feel free to share your prayer request too. We'd be honored to join you in seeking God's direction in your life. Again, just email harvestnyc at verizon.net. If you're listening to our broadcast and aren't in the Manhattan area, We'd like to invite you to join our weekly worship services live on our website. We stream our gatherings on Thursday at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more and connect at harvestnyc.org. That's all for today. Join Pastor Mike next time for another edition of In My Father's House. (laughs) 